when you think loyal to the soil, what comes to mind? Mm, trust in the process, man. Loyal to the soil. You know where you came from. When, when that pops up into my head, I, I start to think of the whole, and this is something we learned in college football too, yeah. water the bamboo. For this episode of the podcast, we have the broker owner of Signature Real Estate Group, Brandon Roberts. He's born and raised in Salt Lake City. I actually owned a restaurant a little bit before getting his real estate license at the age of 23. Um, actually, with one of the brokerages, was awarded the top broker in the nation. Um, and then around 2013, founded Signature Real Estate Group with the other co-owner, Mike Rasmussen. I'm here today. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you, son? <laughs> good. Yep. And this awesome guy also just happens to be my father. <laughs> Lucky me, right? Yeah. I was blessed. Like, I was blessed with a, a great child like yourself. So. I don't know. Is it like looking in the mirror right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. I've never looked so good in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. thanks. So starting out, I want to go to a little bit about you owning the restaurant. Can mm-hmm. you tell me a little bit more about that? <laughs> well, I originally started in the restaurant business. Um, your grandfather, my dad, um, was in the food business, uh, and I started at uh, Little America Hotel in Salt Lake. Uh, he got me my first job. He got me a job as a dishwasher. So, and I worked my way up to a uh, lo- uh, busboy, line cook, was the nighttime baker, uh, cooked out there on the, the brunches, and did some uh, in the dining room and different things like that. And, uh, uh, your grandfather, he had left Little America. He was a manager there, and he'd left Little America and opened a, a little deli downtown called Rick's City Cafe on 3rd South and State Street in a in what was the old Arbax building. And he was w- running that. Uh, the good thing about that was it was Monday through Friday and just breakfast and lunch. And if you've worked in the restaurant business, um, you work weekends, holidays, and there's really not a lot of time off. And uh, so this was a good gig, and he talked me to come in and work with him. And I did that for a little while. And, uh, I mean, you've never experienced this, but working with your father can be a little tough. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, I, I separated from him a little bit and went to work at Red Lion Hotel. And um, he had an opportunity to open a second location and asked me to come back and run the one. And I remember I was, I was much younger, you know, 18 18, 19 years old, and uh, we negotiated on me coming back, and it really came down to the fact that as long as I didn't have to make the potato salad, I was in. And so I came back to work with him, and then shortly thereafter, he he offered me the opportunity to basically buy that restaurant and uh, that little deli and run that. And I attribute a lot I learned through business uh, in running a business through that location. I had the Great opportunity to work with a lady by the name of Irma Castro. Um, she taught me a lot of life lessons. She ran the front end, and I ran the back end and, and did the cooking. And um, She taught me a lot, 
And my dad taught me a lot too. You know, what I didn't realize is, is the opportunity that he afforded to me and, uh, what I would learn through that. And, um, I had this impression that I owned this business and what I really owned was a job. So it kept me out of trouble, gave me a place to go every day. And, um, I just learned a lot from the customers and everything that came in there. And that's, so, I mean, I would, I like the food business and I miss the rush of being busy like that, but I would never go back and do it again. It's just too much work. Gotcha. So you would say it was the foundation, you know, your first business, you ran everything, kind of the foundation of all the skills and everything that you would apply later in life? Yeah, it teaches you some work ethic. I mean, so at 19, I'd moved out and I had two roommates and we lived downtown Salt Lake and I had to be at the restaurant 435 o'clock in the morning to open it up to do the prep and open by six. Um, And they partied, they had a good time. I hung out, um, but I would go to bed at a decent hour. And I think that's why I can sleep today because I'd sleep through the noise. And I remember getting up in the morning to go make the donuts, so to speak, (laughs) and uh, stepping over all the bodies, sleeping on the floor from the night before. But uh, I always went into work. It taught me good work ethic and and good lessons in that. So yeah, I think um, whether I realized it at the time or not, um, my dad would give me a great gift. Awesome. How long did you run that storefront for? So um, I got my real estate license when I was 24. So from 19 to 24, I purchased it from him when I was 19 years old. And when I say purchased it from him, he gave me a a smoking deal and really rolled out the carpet for me to be able to take it over. Mm -hmm. So uh, it wasn't like I had a ton of money and I wrote this big check to him. So he really did open the doors for me. But yeah, from 19 to 24. What made you get your real estate license? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, I had a good friend that would come into my restaurant, and um, he one day he said, you should come do mortgages with me. He used to work at Alamo Rent-A-Car, and a guy came through the line and talked him into getting into the mortgage business. And it was in the 90s, and, and refis, refinancing was big, and he was making a lot of money at the time. Um, in fact, he just bought a million-dollar house, and back then a million-dollar house was a big house. And uh, he said, you should do mortgages. And I said, I don't want to do mortgages. I want to do real estate. And he said, great. I know a school. He said, you call Stringham Real Estate School, get you signed up, and I can get you a job with ERA. I'm like, fantastic. And this is cool. And uh, so I went to night night classes, uh, and it took me three months to, to finish the schooling because I didn't do it full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, passed the test, and... Um, I had another friend that wanted to buy the restaurant for his wife, so I sold it to him, and I went into real estate, just cold turkey. And it was about two weeks in, I was sitting in a class learning how to do things, and I went, oh my gosh, what did I do? I'm in sales. I, had, I don't know what I was thinking when I got into it, but it's it's been a blessing, and and I think a lot of it's the, the people I've been work, had the privilege to work with over the years that uh, created the opportunity for me, but um, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. And <laughs> and your grandfather thought I was nuts, you know. Um, wh- why would I leave something stable and go to a commission sales business? But well, it all worked out in the end, didn't it? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> the end isn't here yet, but yeah. So, how long were you with ERA? I never went to ERA. So, the intent was that I was going to go to ERA. He had the job for me, uh, or he knew the broker over there, 
And um, when I was just about done with my real estate school, I got a phone call. And it was the broker that I went to work for, Mark Handy. And he called me and invited me into the office. And I interviewed with him. And at that point, I knew I was going to work at Mansell and Associates. So I never went to ERA. Okay. That's why I figured. I was like, I don't remember you going to ERA. But that makes sense but now. But interesting fact you may not know is your great-grandmother, Carol, uh, who's no, no longer with us, she had a license at one point, and she did work at ERA. Oh, really? Uh, in Park City, Utah. I did not know that. Yeah. She thought I was nuts for going into real estate, too. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, I got out of it. It's not a good part-time business, she told me. So, <laughs> Gotcha. Well, what did Mark Handy say to you that got you to feel like Mansell was the right place? It's an interesting thing because when you get your real estate license, you you don't know what to expect. And you think you're going to go into these brokerages and you're applying for a job. And yet most brokerages would hire anybody they could. And I remember when I first said that I could work there, I went back out to the car. And I was like, yes, yes, I got this job, you know. And it wasn't until years later I realized that, yeah, a lot of people probably got the job just <laughs> showing up and saying you'd work for them. But um, he was... He seemed to have uh, a clear plan. He had experience, and he listened to what I had to say and, and asked the right questions, I guess. Uh, I remember him saying to me, um, the first time I went in there, I wore uh, jeans. And he said to me, he says, uh, we don't dress in jeans around here. And so after that, I bought suits and ties and shirts and everything else, and it was about six months into real estate, he said, Man, you're the only guy I know that wears a tie every day. <laughs> so I just couldn't win. But um, there was a there was a happy medium in there. But he was just, uh, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I'm glad I met him and I'm glad I joined that office. I really, he was on a podcast that I did a while back uh, at a rival podcast. We won't mention it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I told him, and I truly believe this, if I wouldn't have went to work at his brokerage under him, I don't think I'd be in real estate today um, because the culture and the atmosphere that he built and the support that he'd put together opened the door. So I really believe everything happens for a reason. There was a reason why I ended up there. So that was your first brokerage, but did you notice a difference in the culture being at that brokerage compared to the other ones? So... I went from that brokerage to owning my own. So I've never worked for in another brokerage. I've heard horror stories. I've heard all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the culture and a lot of things I do here at Signature and the way we laid it out, the management and everything, was designed around the way Mark ran his office. I was always watching and studying. And it was funny. In the actual interview, he says, what is your ultimate goal, you know, in getting real estate? And I said, uh, to own my own brokerage. And... I never really had that intent, but he asked me that, and that's what came out of my mouth. So, um, But I was observant of everything that happened there, but I've never worked for another broker. So how long did you work for Mansell before owning your own brokerage? So five years. I worked for Mansell for just over five years. Um, there was a, a merger that happened, or a, a large company called NRT came in and purchased uh, Mansell, and there was a company called Ward, Wardley Better Homes and Gardens and uh, Coal Banker Premier up there. They purchased them and merged them all into one under Coal Banker, Banker Residential Brokerage. That's Coal Banker up there today, mm -hmm. right? Wardley um, Better Homes and Gardens, Lynn Wardley moved to Vegas, actually, and owns Wardley Real Estate down here now. 
he was uh, Coal Banker Wardley when I first moved down here. And then the Mansells were kind of ran the Coal Banker deal. I don't know if that was part of their agreement or whatever. And since then, um, Mansell has opened up again in Salt Lake. They're not what they were, but um, Al and Dave Mansell have opened Mansell Realtors or something. And uh, so I forgot the question. <laughs> Oh, how long were you at Mansell oh, before? Five years, yeah. And I'd probably would still be there. And then when they did that, um, Mark actually ended up going to, I think he went to Prudential. Um, and me and another agent went out and started a little brokerage called Infinity Real Estate Group. That's when I left. So um, it just wasn't the right fit anymore. And we tried to go down another business venture and it didn't wasn't working out real good, so me and Andy Rivera actually went out and started Infinity Real Estate Group. What was that other business venture? <laughs> so there was a point when ATMs became legal to sell in Utah um, outside of a bank owning it. So a small business could own a, an ATM. I believe they still can today. So when you'd go into a convenience store or something like that, that ATM could be owned by that store owner. They stock it with cash, and they make that revenue. And so what we were doing is uh, we were selling the leases on those ATMs. The commissions were really good. The company would set us appointments. We would go out. We'd close these appointments. They weren't doing, they weren't booking enough appointments to keep us busy, and so we hired our own telemarketer, and she started booking us appointments. And then she was booking so many appointments, we thought, well, we could get some salespeople to come on board with us because we could split that big commission, and they would still make pretty good money. Mm-hmm. You know, a commission would be like 3500 bucks. We'd give them 50% of it. And so then we recruited a couple agent, real estate agents um, that we'd worked with to come over and sell some of that stuff. Anyway, we got it going so good. They owed us, a, we were owed about $70,000 in commissions, between seventy eighty thousand, and 80000 and the company went bankrupt. Oh. And so we didn't, needless to say, we didn't see any of that money. Um, but that point, Andy says to me, he said, um, we should open our own brokerage. He says, you're eligible to go get your broker's license, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He says, we just built the thing. We had the sales force. We had everything there. The one thing that we were missing is the ability to control our destiny because that financial part of it was with the other company. And so I did. I went and got my real estate license and uh, my broker's license, and we opened Infinity Real Estate Group. How quick did that grow? That grew like molasses. It was slow. So three and a half, four years, uh, we had nine agents. And nine agents, that's including me and Andy and uh, our other business partner, Paul, at the time. And we did not have, um, we had 4,200 square feet of office space. Most of it was hallway. And I always kid, it's in the building on 3300 South next to the, it's a Smith's now, that's leaning. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we couldn't fill it. And um, it wasn't until... Um, one day we were struggling there. We, we were splitting all our commissions, stuff like that. We were making enough money really to provide for one family, not two. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had a discussion, Andy and I, that we were just going to shut it down and go work in our basements, just do our own thing. We'd make more money. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's when I got an invitation to go to a basketball game from Exit Realty, which was my next stop, basically, um, and we thought, what the heck, it's a free basketball game, so we, who knows, we won't be able to afford to go to another one. And so we went. And the other reason was it was Carl Malone's 
homecoming game, so to speak, after he'd left the Jazz and went to the Lakers. And so um, that's where it is. But we did not grow at all. And so you had a lot of struggles with that office. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's amazing. Um, we had a lot of struggles because we didn't know how to get there. Mm. You know what I mean? We didn't have a clear path on how to recruit and how to grow the office. And whether you agree with the franchise uh, model or, you, or don't, um, whether you like an exit realties business model or you don't, they created a clear path for us to grow. And keep in mind, they didn't really tell us anything that was a big secret, but we bought into a system, right? And we listened to them, and we just did what we're supposed to do on a daily basis, and miraculously, it worked. And we grew that, uh, our offices, when I left Utah, we had four exit realty offices, and I had over 300 agents working for me at the time. And like you mentioned in the intro, I was awarded broker of the year for Exit Realty International in, in October of 2007, and that was over 1,500 offices in the U.S. and Canada. So we were doing a good job, but it was, it was still the same people. We just had a system, and we followed it. Gotcha. And that all stemmed from that basketball game? It stemmed from that basketball game and Andy Rivera. So I'm a, I'm a person that's really comfortable um, staying my course. And uh, we went to that game, and we heard the presentation. And at the end of the presentation, Andy stood up and goes, I need to know how much. This is the answer. We've got to do this. And I'm like, what? I don't even think I was really paying attention. He's like, this is it. And so... Um, franchise law, they can't really tell you how much it is, Mm -hmm. but, um, he asked the question, the one guy walked us over to Spencer Kimball, who we work with now. He's our president of, uh, Signature International. He's the one that sold us our first franchise and walked us over and he pulls out of his suit jacket. He says, let me see your tickets. And he looks and we were basically filler people. I don't think we were high on their radar at all. So we had these nosebleed seats. But he switched them and put us in the suite. Well, they had like three or four suites, and Spencer had the people he was supposed to talk to that night that he was gonna, thought he could sell a franchise to. And we got stuck uh, talking to this bald Hungarian guy wearing a yellow shirt with these eyes on the back of it said, don't be left in the dark, exit realty. And that was Alex Sinek, who um, I'd like to say uh, I, t- I take credit for him coaching me and getting me all that. So we bought the franchise, right? Um, and I'll go back and I'll even tell you how that all happened. But uh, we bought the franchise because Andy said we needed to do this. And then we signed up for coaching because Andy said we need to have coaching, right? And then Andy moved to Florida shortly after we opened. <laughs> and, I, and I was too scared to fire Alex for four and a half years. So he coached <laughs> me every week. And that's how we grew. But I became great friends with Alex. Uh, I kid him all the time. I, I call him my dad. Because he's taught me a lot of uh, great lessons too, and he's been there for me. But, but yeah, the the franchise thing was an interesting thing because where Andy and I had sat down and actually had that conversation about closing the brokerage down, we um, we weren't making a lot of money, and when we got presented with the opportunity for the franchise, not only do you have to uh, make change your office a little bit because it wasn't conducive for growth, mm-hmm. uh, we also had to come up with a large franchise fee, and we didn't know how we didn't know how we were going to do it, and I'm not this guy that goes out and asks for money. Um, but again, I believe everything happens for a reason. And he's like, "We need to ask everyone we know. We need fifty grand." And I'm like, "Okay, go ask them." <laughs> <laughs> 
So we started asking, and and the interesting thing is, um, the money came from a gentleman that I'd met two weeks before that did hard money loans, and um, I asked him, and he's kind of him hot a little bit, and then we had him come to a presentation where Steve Morris, the founder of Exit, spoke, and at the end, he came up. His name was Kyle. Kyle come up to me and said, "Brandon, I don't know if you know quite how hard money works." Typically, we loan on real estate because we have an asset that we can tie it to. We don't really loan on businesses. He goes, but I believe in you, and I think you're going to do great things, and he gave me the money, right? And so, uh, like I said, and I just met this guy two weeks before, and he did, and that was where we started off. Half of that money went to a franchise fee, and the other half, we bought all these cubicles and just just built, put them in the offices so that there was lots of desks and stuff. And keep in mind, same office space, three and a half years, four years, nine agents, and yet we believed because we bought this franchise that we were going to grow enough that we took twenty five grand, bought cubicles, and and just decked the office out with these cubicles so there was room to grow. And I don't know what we were thinking, but it worked out. <laughs> but we were at the uh, broker owner training, and Steve Morris's walking up and down the aisles, and he's talking. He's like, if you think you can do this for $50,000, you guys are crazy, and on and on, not knowing that that we had done that. And uh, right as he says that, he's passing Andy in the aisle, and Andy goes, too late. <laughs> Steve just puts his hand on his shoulder and just kept talking. But, yeah, I mean, we did it with fifty grand, and never looked back. So all you needed to, to grow was that formula that they provided kind of a direction, and then it took off from there? I've always said that I'm. I operate from structure very well. Mm-hmm. I have a. I'm not the best at implementing putting the structure together. But if you give me a plan, and I'll, I'll follow it, and I'll make it work. You know what I mean? And it's happened with uh, weight loss. It's happened with uh, business. It, it happened with my coaching with Alex. And I just say, tell me what to do. I'll do it. If it doesn't work, then we'll have a different discussion. But what? typically happens if you do what you're supposed to do on a daily basis over time you get the results mm-hmm. and so that's all it was the only difference is i had a something that i believed in that i could sell and and i talked to people every day and made it happen there's no magic there was no magic secret sauce that this company had that these agents just flocked in it it happened because we did what we're supposed to do mm-hmm so how quickly did you outgrow that office? Because you did mention that you ended up having four in Salt Lake. Yeah. So when we bought that, our our first franchise, right? So we bought the second one in the state, the first one in Salt Lake County. We would have bought the first one except for the night we heard about it. They were awarding their first one. Mm-hmm. So, um, and here's a funny thing too. I don't know. You were, you were pretty young, right? Um, and you were in elementary school. And there was a school concert, and it was put on by Exit Realty. And I remember seeing it on the sign at your school going, what kind of stupid name is that? <laughs> you know, and yeah, within a month, I was buying one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they were, they were doing some good stuff, though, and, and I learned a lot there. Um, but we, when we bought that grid, we knew we wanted to be in a s- certain office space uh, in the old mill area which was south so we had spencer actually adjust our grid to encompass this area and um we grew 
and we always wanted to go in this space. And so we were telling people we we're going to go in this space when we, as we grew. And I remember 65, 70 agents in the office. I, I thought, man, I'm going to go down and check out that space. So I set an appointment to go look at the space and talk to them. And they said, well, we'd love to have you in the building, but there's no room. I'm like, crap. We adjusted this whole grid to move down to this space. And it just wasn't going to happen. And they said, but we're building another building across the parking lot. And I said, oh, great. When will that be done? year and a half. That gives us time. Because now we can say we're building a building, we're moving to space, and I can grow bigger, you know. And so we go through that. When it gets close to getting done, I go back down there and I say, we'd like to talk to you about the space. And they said, it's all been leased. <laughs> I'm like, crap. And they said, but we have some space. The whole third floor is available in Old Mill 1 um, because Overstock.com just moved out. Mm. So they moved out to move into the new building. And the building that I originally wanted to be in, the space opened up for it. And so I made application for that and put down there. And, and we were still a, a young company and growing, but uh, we weren't really big uh, to the point where we were a massive force to be reckoned with or anything. And, and I remember filling out the application. They called me, and I'm sitting at a conference table, much bigger than this, um, and it's me. And there's a couple of attorneys and, and the owner of the building and the property manager and this type of stuff. And they said, you know, um, you really don't have the financials to take down a space like this and on and on. And I said, well, let me tell you, let me tell you what we're doing. Let me tell you where I've been and where I'm going. And I told them the story and what my vision was to grow. And they stepped out and they talked for a minute. And the one guy comes back in and he goes, you know, Brandon, uh, we like to take a chance on um, – new companies. We did it with JetBlue. We did it with Overstock.com. We're going to do it with Exit Realty. And they gave us the space. And that's the space we moved in. When we went, moved into that space, it was prime. It was beautiful. Killer view of the valley. We exploded at that point. We grew. And then the other offices I got, we bought one more franchise. And, uh, well, we bought two more. We bought Draper and we bought uh, Sugar House. And then the other ones we basically purchased off existing offices, which was Union Park, and then uh, kind of the Sugar House Holiday area was uh, another merger. So after that, the office is exploding about, around what time was that? Noon. Noon. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'd have to go back and think about the dates, but um, uh, we, it was probably three years in uh, that we kind of, it really started to take off. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where we became the, the, the highest grossing exit office in the state. That's where I, all that stuff started to come together. Um, up to that point, it was really, it was really interesting because they'd sold a lot of the franchises. Uh, there was one at U Union Park, which was like an exit down. Then there was one off of uh, Murray there, 280 East, and that was like two exits down. Mm -hmm. And there was everyone was growing and trying to claw to get profitable and stuff. Um, and every one of us did our business a little bit different. And that's how I got a lot of those offices was the fact that I got upset one time uh, with one of the franchisees over some recruiting tactics. And I went in there because we all played nice, and I went into a meeting with that that broker owner and Spencer and a couple other people. And I just said, it's over. I'm, uh, we're solo. It's war. We're done. 
Spencer talks me down, calms me down. I went back and talked to my partners and said, we just need to buy them all. And um, all through my life, everything that I kind of think about or I envision that I want happens. All the way back to when I told Mark I want to own my own brokerage. You really have to be careful what you ask for because it typically happens. At least it has for me through my life. Um, I said, we're going to buy them. We're going to buy them all. We're going to own Salt Lake County. Uh, I'm tired of this. And I said, we're going to buy this one, then we're going to buy this one, then we're going to buy this one, and then we'll buy this one last. Two weeks later, uh, Union Park was the one I thought we'd buy last. Two weeks later, they called me up and said, would you be interested in merging or taking us over? And so, like I said, you just be careful. Um, Hindsight, like I learned a lot, but I wish I would have just been happy with my own corner, you know, because it's a lot to take on. Having all those offices, what was the struggle you encountered taking on those offices? So I learned a, a hard lesson, which is called span of control, to be able to control what you have. Don't overextend yourself. Um, in starting out, I believe there's a couple ways you can find pe- talent, right, or find people that can work for you. Number one, you can um, go out and find the right people with the right abilities, and you can pay them the right amount of money to attract them to work at your company. Mm-hmm. Or you can do it the way I did it there, which to find talent that you're going to bring up, right? So they'll work for less, but it's a lot more pressure and work on you. And and I don't want to sound like uh, the people I was working with who became great partners like Terry and Paul and them were um, not qualified. They just didn't have the experience at that point, right, in, mm-hmm. in running a brokerage and stuff. I'm fairly new in the real estate industry, and they're both – they do great in Salt Lake now and sell a lot of real estate, and they were really great partners, but – when you're doing that, that kind of creates this, this span of control. And I remember we had a broker in the Union Park office, and uh, she hated men. And it, <laughs> and it became this attitude that she had of us against the world. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like the team. It wasn't like that type of thing. It was like her office and all the other offices. Well, we can't operate on that like that. And she was actually a partner, and there was four of us. And we ended up basically going through a divorce. Um, and I left the Cottonwood office to go down to that office. And I remember going in there and working from an office where everyone loved me to that office where there was a lot of loyalties to the other person. Mm-hmm. And, and we were able to turn all that around, but uh, it was a different feeling. So you can't be in all places at once, and it's hard to create that culture across multiple offices. And we struggle with that here up to a point. But I learned a lot of those lessons is what I brought down here in doing a lot of the collaborative stuff. Just like our sales meetings, we do a joint sales meeting with all the offices here. We do trainings like the academy and stuff, bringing all the agents together. It's to create that culture across all the offices so that uh, you don't that doesn't happen again. Gotcha. So it's all, it's all unified. You try the best mm-hmm. you can because each office will have its own personality, and each broker does too, and they're going to do things a little bit different. But... As much as you can make somebody from the Summerlin office going into Green Valley feel comfortable and vice versa, that's what you're going for. I see. So after you going through your, you know, your quote-unquote divorce, what was the next path? <laughs> the next path? Well, that's when we just kind of went down that, that thing. And um, in October of 2007, like I said, we were in uh, Colorado for the exit convention. That's when I won that award. And uh, that's also when I closed on the region for Nevada. 
to buy the exit regional rights. And again, be careful what you ask for because I'm having a conversation with my partners basically saying, hey, the next step for us is regional ownership. Wouldn't it be great if there was a region we could buy? And um, Well, it happened, and it happened quick, about a week and a half. Spencer calls me up and says, hey, do you want to buy Nevada? And it was the most logical thing because Alex owned it before and then Spencer and I was friends with both of them and that type of stuff so they worked it out and in, we signed on that up there um, I didn't do my homework I thought how hard could it be to sell franchises shouldn't be that hard well that's one of the toughest sales jobs you'll ever have it's a lonely job you work by yourself you're just going in and out of offices and getting basically kicked in the teeth because nobody wants to buy a franchise. I mean, it's a bad word. And um, I thought, how hard could it be? I'll run my offices up here and I'll go down there. Again, that span of control thing. And 2007, that was one of the, 2007, 2008 was one of the worst crashes the country had seen, let alone Las Vegas was basically ground zero. You know, the neighborhoods were vacant, everything else. I quickly realized that I wasn't going to be able to do both, and that's when I moved here in January of 2008. I actually moved from Utah, severed my ties and stuff with all my offices up there, and actually moved here full-time to sell franchises. And it was a dark time. It was a, it was a hard time. Did that for five years. So five years in Salt Lake and then five years down here pushing that, that brand. Um, it was a lonely time. And uh, you learn a lot about yourself. That's when I basically found God. That's when I got baptized. Um, I mean, I had to go to Las Vegas to, to get baptized, but it was, you, you find different things, but during that dark time or that tough time, I shouldn't say dark, tough time, uh, I met some great people, and that's what opened the doors for Signature down the road, you know, meeting Vondana, selling her a franchise. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Pablo and his girlfriend, Yvette, love Yvette to this day. I don't talk to her a lot, but um, she was a major influence. Um, they invited me to church. Uh, it, just good people all the way around. Vaughn and introduced me to Valerie and other people in the industry that have really set things up so that when I was leaving Exit at that period of time and I was evaluating, do I go back to Salt Lake? What do I do? Um, I was really set up for success because of that five years of pushing through and working every day and doing what I was supposed to do, that when I launched Signature, it took off. It took off. So where did the idea of, you know, creating a, a brand or a brokerage, you know, from the ground up, like completely starting it up, where did that come from? So I'd done it before, right? I did it in <clears throat> Utah. And as I was trying to sell franchises out here, um, it was hard because I was always looking for someone that had the men, the the mentality that I did, uh, I want to build a mega brokerage. Anyone can build a brokerage, 20, 30 agents. That's not really hard, especially if you're a productive agent and you're selling. Um, but if you're a sale, selling agent and you try to open a brokerage, you're not going to be any bigger than 20 or 30 agents, mm -hmm. maybe 40, because um, you can't dedicate that time to them unless you're a real structured person. I'm sure somebody's done it. But I wasn't able to find that person. So at the end... Um, with Exit, I'm deciding what do I want to do. You know, I, I could always go back to Salt Lake and start over. I could just become an agent. I could sell down here. Um, I could start an office down here. I was going for, through the Nevada 
uh, leadership for realtors in the state here at that point. So I was really doing a lot of soul searching with myself and um, some counsel with Mike and different things like that. And I just decided uh, I'm going to make a go of and open an office down here. Uh, I didn't want to really move back to Salt Lake. Uh, I love Vegas, and it was a it was a good opportunity. So I did it before, and so we just laid out the plan and said if we were to do this what would we change? What didn't work in the old model, okay? And what would we change to make it work here? Um, we would lose a lot of agents when I was at Exit. We'd bring in a new agent, teach, train, and coach them, and they'd leave for a better split or more money or things like that. So we just tried to lay out a business plan that we could eliminate all reasons why somebody wouldn't want to work with us. And uh, I was originally going to do it with another partner, um, and she didn't come through. I think she wasn't sold on it, whatever. And Mike, when we were looking at space, pulled me aside and says, if she doesn't do something with you, I want to do something. And it, there came a point where I just said, are you serious? And he said, yes. And I called and I said, okay, well, we'll be sending over a lease for office space today. I called the, the property manager. They switched the names out and sent up a lease, and he signed it, and we, we moved forward. So how did you meet Mike? Through Exit. He was a regional owner, too. Traveled down kind of the same path as I did. Um, he'd bought a region, uh, Alaska. He owned Exit Realty franchises in Minnesota. Moved his whole family to Alaska for the, the regional ownership dream. Um, and I met him at a lot of the trainings and different things like that, the uh, regional meetings. Gotcha. And then so from there, you you guys you know put in the lease and then where did you guys start from? Like how long did it take to kind of put together this vision and, and just go for it? So about May 15th, 16th, I signed my final release with exit realty by May 31st. I, uh, filed for our corporation signature real estate group, LLC with the state of Nevada. By June 1st, we had signed the lease. And, uh, by July 1st, we had taken possession. And so it moved very quickly. The benefits that we had was that uh, during that first 30 days when they were building out the space or doing the alterations, we were able to use the front lobby. There was a conference room there, and we just recruited. One thing I learned early on is you don't have to have everything in place before you start. You just have to know where you're going, mm -hmm. and you have to be able to convey that to, to the people you're talking about. And it happened very quickly because as I was the regional of exit, I worked hard. I trained the agents. I was in the offices. I did more than most regional owners would ever do. Um, I, I loved my brokers that took a chance on me, and I did everything I could to try to help them succeed. And that model, the split model, especially in Vegas, um, people were gravitating toward this 100% concept. Well, when I opened Signature Real Estate with Mike, uh, Agents started calling me that used to work at Exit Realty and came back. And that really made me feel good because they didn't leave because of me. They didn't leave because of um, doing business with us. They left because they didn't believe in the model for them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so they came back. So we started to grow very quickly. And uh, we actually had carloads of people coming over together to actually look at the space. So. It, it went went quick. So we knew very early on that we'd made the right decision. So what were the 
the big things that stood out to you guys when you were when you were creating Signature and going through this process? Like, okay, this this it has to be like this. Was there anything? Obviously, you guys do the hundred percent commission, but is there anything that was a big area of focus? Yeah, we did not want to operate like any every other hundred percent company that we'd heard about. Okay, we didn't want to be this license hanging company that basically says, "Come over here, pay us your fees, and you're on your own." We wanted to be a full service, 100% commission, 100% support. Everything that we've done in laying out the plan, every decision we make as a company is all designed, is this the right thing for the agent? If it's the right thing for the agents, whether we make money on it or not, we're going to do the right thing. Um, it's always been about the agent. And so that would be the, the thing I would say. Everything that we, we laid out, if it fit that model, then we would go forward with it. If it doesn't, we don't. Um, we also looked at the industry and we said, okay, we've got these 100% companies, right, that, that don't do a lot for you. And then you got these other franchises that have all these tools and training and all this kind of stuff. And we said, but they charge a lot more money to the agent. And we said, there's this middle road between the two. That's where we want to be. We want to provide all this stuff that you get at every other franchise and that stuff at the cost of the 100%. And we were able to do that um, because because of the Internet, really, because tools aren't as expensive as they used to be when franchising came about. Um, the Internet's changed things a lot. So you don't need to charge what you used to have to charge mm -hmm. because the cost of the tools and stuff aren't the same. Gotcha. So that first office you leased out, was that the Summerlin? Summerlin office, yeah, here in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that space is laid out kind of a little bit funky, but our contingency plan was worst-case scenario, if this doesn't work, we're the proud owners of an executive office space, and we would have just <laughs> leased out the office space and been okay. We negotiated the lease properly, um, and, and it was set up for success right off the bat. How long did you have the... Uh the Summerlin office before, you know, you started growing and, you know, wanted to branch out to other offices? So um, when I left Exit, I had a year non-compete. And what I meant, what that non-compete basically said is I couldn't recruit anybody that was with Exit at the time I left or convert them in, in any way. And it was just over the year mark, uh, Vonna called me and said, you don't want to work with me? I said, what do you mean? She says, you've never asked me to come over to your brokerage. I said, Vanna, I've had a year non-compete. I haven't been able to. And we sat down, we talked, and it was almost overnight. She went back to her office, basically told her team and her agents we're going over to Signature, which was awesome because, like I said, there's um, she's one of the really good people I've met, and there's she's probably one of, she's one of the women in my life that's really made a big, big difference. Um, Ashley's another one and obviously my mom and my grandma. Um, but she made a huge difference in doing that. Well, when she came over, I got a phone call from uh, Michael Hills, which is Trish Nash's husband. And he said, I told you not to forget us. You're single-handedly dismantling exit. And I said, no, 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 Mike, I'm not. I've never called anybody. I don't want to recruit anybody. I'm not doing that. And um, I said, I, I wanted to call me and this and that. Well, they ended their relationship with Exit and basically called me up and basically said, um, 
we want to work with you. And at that point, we kind of partnered with them in an office out in Green Valley. Um, Trish runs a very successful team, the Trish Nash team. She's got a great name in, in Henderson. She was one of my exit realty franchisees. Love the woman. Respect her. She has just done she's, – she's got an amazing story. If you ever can get her on your podcast, she'd be a great one. Um, Michael Hiltz would be a good one too. Um, but we went out there and we did that and we, we took down some space and we were working out there and we were growing. Um, and she runs a a good sized team and it was too impossible or too hard to cohabitate. And what I mean by that is most of your teams will put people on a different split level. They're going to provide them with certain things and that type of stuff. Well, when you take your team and you intermix them with these hundred percent agents, these 100% agents are talking about all the stuff they get or don't get or whatever and how great it is and how much money they make. And then when people on this team have a closing and they think, well, I could be at 100%, she was getting a lot of people that were moving the other direction. Well, mm-hmm. that's hard for someone to build a team. So at that point, we said, we got to separate into two different locations, right? Not going to separate from doing business with each other, not divorcing in that way. We just got to put her team separate than the office. Mm-hmm. So there was two options. We could go find some space or she could go find some space or a combination thereof. And uh, Michael Hiltz said, I've got the perfect space for you guys. And I said, okay. And we went over and looked at it. And it's where our Green Valley office is today. And we went over there and Michael negotiated us a, an amazing lease. If uh, he He's a, a great commercial uh, negotiator and got us everything we wanted and really made it real easiest for us to go into that space. And we uh, did this towards, what, October, November, and we announced it to all our agents at the Christmas party. We actually had our Christmas party in that space. It was just awesome. Um, and then we've grown. We've negotiated that at least two more times and actually done two build-outs on it and took that from what it was about 6,500 square feet to now it's over 10,000 square feet. And a beautiful office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've seen that office grow too, and it's 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 an awesome office. Kelly Bishop out there is doing an amazing job. Um, she's got that up over 240 agents. She works her butt off, um, kept a great culture, and they're just great agents out there. Great agents in Summerlin, uh, now our Southwest office. I, I love working with everyone I work with, and it's, it's interesting. They all work together. It collaborates. They come together as a family, but each office has such a different identity. It's, it's neat. They do, and you can almost feel it when you go into each office. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. It's just different feel through mm-hmm. each office. So now you have these three offices. Um, how many agents are you at currently? We are about 540 in Vegas. Okay. Is there any you know plans for expansion in the Las Vegas area as far as office goes? Can't give you all my trade secrets. <laughs> this goes out to all my competitors. No, there there is. I mean, we're always looking for opportunity. Um, we're looking to make sure that we make the right moves. Uh, our Summerlin lease will be up. It is the one that is the most dated. Mm. Um, doesn't fit exactly the way we want our offices to look. Uh, we tried to negotiate with the owner prior to them selling it uh, to kind of reposition our space and to put that as a, uh, an office that we would have had for a long, long time. Unfortunately, I don't think that that's going to be a location we're going to be at for a long, long time. When that lease is up, we will probably find another location in Summerlin um, that we can build to the standards that we have. 
um, and lay out the office the proper way. I think there's a big difference on how we operate from others is how we lay our offices out. With a, we create a collaborative environment and an environment where the baby boomers can work with the millennials and they can help each other through different lessons, so to speak. And it's it's been really, really good for us. And unfortunately, Summerlin doesn't fit that mold right now without a severe remodel. Mm-hmm. So we'd probably do something there. Um, and then we've always got on the board and looking at, and we've even uh, looked at space in the past of, of a Northwest office. It just isn't the right time right now. Um, we elected to go to the Southwest, uh, which happens to be one of the fastest growing areas in Vegas. And Northwest has grown rapidly mm-hmm. too. Um, and so, yeah, we're currently in the position of building this office up before we make any more moves. Span of control. Smart, and you learn those lessons in the past. Yeah, some you, you learn lessons the hard way, um, and hopefully you don't have to repeat them. So it's a good motto. So at what point did, you know, you're growing fast, you got the three offices here. What point were you on the thought process, hey, we need to start, you know, putting Signature out there on the map and um, doing franchises in other states? So that everything kind of happens. Um, that wasn't by design. I mean, we'd talked about um, the possibility of taking it nationally. And uh, and most of that was because of the relationships that we built over the time when we were with that other brand and meeting with the other regionals and going to the conventions. We know people all across this country mm-hmm. that are in real estate. And lots of them have asked us, you know, Hey, what are you doing? You're going to do something out here, that type of stuff. Um, it kind of happened based on we've, we've, we've done what we call um, test markets or testing. And these offices here are like my laboratories. Um, we try things out here. We know if they work, they don't work. Um, we had a virtual office in Salt Lake. We've toyed with the virtual concept. Um, it made sense in Salt Lake because from there, you're from there, The uh, I knew agents up there, so we had kind of a virtual type thing where we processed everything down here. Mm-hmm. Mike, our business partner, is up in Alaska, so we had a, a brick-and-mortar office up there, but we did centralized processing of the checks down here. Um, Vaughn and I was really good friends with a, a lady by the name of Susan Ebert, who is our broker owner of our California office, and... Uh, Susan was leaving Exit Realty at a point. Um, she was a regional vice president, and uh, she reached out to Vonda, and Vonda said, you need to talk to Brandon. Me and Vonda took a trip out there, and she switched. Uh, she bought into the Exit concept, took down 10,000-plus square feet. It's a beautiful office in Marietta, and she's growing that up close to 200 agents. She's, like, number one in her market. She has some of the best... Um, the highest producing teams in that market there. And so we knew it was duplicatable um, through these different things, even mm-hmm. Green Valley doing that and having a different broker run that so that wasn't a day-to-day operation. We knew this was a duplicatable system. So then we start talking down that path of doing that. Uh, Maury Kimball, great friend of mine, Spencer Kimball's brother, approached me one day and he says, oh, I'd like to open a signature in Salt Lake. Would you partner with me on it? You know, And then... Uh, that's when Spencer basically, his brother came down and took me out to dinner and basically was trying to find out why Maury shouldn't do it and was going to tear this thing apart. And at the end of the dinner, he said, I want part. I want to be part of it. 
Um, we had the opportunity to bring Alex in and, and just assemble the team. So it's just kind of naturally flowed that direction. Um, I, again, I'm the kind of person that likes to stay steady pace, wins the race type thing. Not as steady as my dad, but um, <laughs> he's very conservative. But uh, it, it was almost just like the things lined up and we had to take those steps. And we've met some great people and we've got some great offices across this country. Um, and uh, it's, it's just awesome to be able to help people do what I've done, which was a dream of mine, which was to open an office, right, and to grow something. So it's, it's awesome to coach and, and help people do that. So is it a goal or an objective to get this thing all across the country or just like finding the right markets where it will work or what's the thought process? I just want to open the Costa Rica office. <laughs> so you can work <laughs> down there, huh? Uh, you know, we, we've got this thing. So most franchises, it's all about numbers, numbers, numbers. We've got to get these. We've got to be in all these locations. And Mike and I sat down early on, even just running our offices here, and just said, you know what? We don't want to open an office. We don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to open in the state just to open in the state. We want to grow because of talent. And so we will go into a market if if it's the right broker owner, if it's somebody that wants to build something, somebody that we believe that is going to be fun to work with and that is committed to growth. And so when people ask, well, how many franchises are you going to sell over this next year? It's not about that. To me, it's about growing smart, growing strong, and with the right people. And we don't uh, charge a ton of money for a franchise, and we do that on purpose uh, for two reasons. Number one, we never want to be incentivized to open an office just to get a check. Mm -hmm. And number two, we'd much rather that franchisee take that money and put it into their office to build it out the proper way. So That's a good Good plan. And staying in your capacity, like you said, you're not, not overdoing yourself and overexpanding. Right. And if you if you go because of talent, you might have a little bit more work up front, mm -hmm. but in the end, you're not because they're going to be capable people that they are going to be able to buy into the vision and, and represent you well. So what's next for Signature? Next for signature. Well, you know, I just bought two hair salons, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Diversification. No. Um, I, you know, I like the path we're going on. I like what we're doing. I like the people we're working with. Um, next here locally is really to stabilize for the next push. Uh, when you build a company, you put things in place, um, systems and processes, right? And there comes a point where you can outgrow those systems and processes. And I think we're at this this point where we're reevaluating some of our systems and processes to make them better, um, to create a better experience for the agent, a better experience for the consumer that deals with our agents, mm -hmm. uh, a better experience all across the country, any a better experience when somebody calls into your office. I, I just think it's important that um, people feel good when they do business with you. And I was telling a friend of mine at lunch today that uh, I don't expect agents to work for me forever, but I want them to look back and go, that was the best company I ever worked for. And so it's, I'd say next is to just get better, level up. Just keep getting better, keep growing. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned you bought the two hair salons. So what's the point of diversifying? 
that that now is turning into kind of a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a tremendous deal on it, um, and it worked. It worked in conjunction with uh, um, opening our insurance company, and uh, the guy that came in to partner with us on the insurance company had these salons, and we worked out this deal and trade and stuff like that. And I wouldn't have done it except for we've got a tremendous manager, um, and she's very very capable of doing it. And the other thing is I don't know how to cut hair, so they can never call me in to cut hair. So um, I tried to cut my hair once, and it didn't turn out well. So, <laughs> so is that why you haven't gone back into the restaurant industry? So they don't have, so you can't be pulled back in. It's interesting too, because it, I was we actually joked. Me and Mike were joking about it when we got the salons. I'm like, well, it, it's a good deal because I can't cut hair and you can't cut hair, so we're not going <laughs> to get roped in. He goes, yeah, well, maybe we'll get a restaurant someday. And I go, no. Because we can both cook, yeah. <laughs> you know. You, you're any service industry. You're going to have people that call out. You're going to be shorthanded, that kind of stuff. And I don't mind going in. I don't mind mopping the floor, sweeping hair, doing all that stuff if need be. I've never been. I, I'd. I'll pitch in. I'll yeah. do it. I mean, I was at the salon at seven o'clock this morning because we had an issue with the um, cameras, and I want to make sure that that was all done and. We just switched over to a software thing, and I was there at 6.30 yesterday to make sure that the receipt printers and everything else work because I want to make sure that we can take whatever load we can off of that manager because she's doing a great job. Um, but ideally, it's it's I don't want to be strapped to something where I have to go in day-to-day. It mm-hmm. ruins your span of control. <clears throat> it, it You take your eye off the ball, and you can't grow. Um, looking back, way back in the restaurant business, all my friends thought, man, you got it great. You own your own business, that type of stuff. And and it, and I talk about this in the in the real estate academy as I'm training agents. I say, I didn't own my own business. I owned my own job. If I didn't get up five four thirty five o'clock in the morning, go in, open that shop, it wasn't there. If um, I learned what a paid vacation was. If I took a vacation, I paid somebody to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's about when you get when you do open a business, it's about creating a business, not a job. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing in real estate. And advice I'd give you is as you lay out your real estate career, the, treat it like a job. Like you've got to be there, especially early on. But build it and put the systems in place so that deals and dollars are go- uh, going to occur with or without you that makes sense Mm -hmm. um if i have to go in every day and cut hair then that's a job if i own a salon where that revenue is happening with or without me that's a business so so do you have any plans of going into any more ventures or was it just kind of like you guys want to do the insurance thing and just so happen to work out the hair salons or is there other things you want to approach on the horizon so i'm always open to business opportunities Mm -hmm. um we are, we've started a company called Signature Holdings. Uh, that's what Signature International is held by, uh, our franchise sales company. That's um, what our insurance company is there. Uh, we've got a real estate school that we're in the process of getting approved. That falls under that. So we're going to acquire businesses that are going to fall under Signature mm-hmm. Holdings. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that complement each other. Now, the hair business, that doesn't really complement all that other stuff, but it's it's actually been really fun turning these around, you know, from taking them over that were understaffed, didn't even have enough stylists to 
to keep the doors open, so to speak, to where they are today and where they're they're going. It's been fun. I really like building things up. Um, but yeah, we're constantly looking for opportunities to put under the signature holdings uh, umbrella. So what is your goal going forward? Is there anything you want for yourself in the future? Um, I'm very, very happy where I am with, in my life. I'm happy with whatever I have. Material objects aren't the big thing for me. I mean, yeah, I drive a pretty extravagant car, but that took a lot for me to step out of that comfort zone and feel like I kind of deserve to even drive it. And I love it. But when that lease is up, I probably won't go that extravagant anymore. Um, me and Mike have this saying that just says, uh, people work for retirement, right? Mm -hmm. To retire. And what is retirement? You know, some people it's okay. Now I don't have to do anything. I think that would drive me nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, retirement is doing what you want to do when you want to do it. I'm retired, son. I really believe I'm in retirement. I'm doing exactly what I want to do, um, or I won't do it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, I'm where I want to be. And if that changes, then I'll, I'll change that. But it's, uh, everything's good. You know, I work with people I love. I get to work with you now. Um, it, it's fun. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah, it does. Perfect answer. One thing I wanted to touch on too was. Oh yeah. So we've had a lot of guests come through that have been on emergent immersion or been through immersion and then we're kind of switching lanes here, but kind of correlates. I want to know your experience with immersion. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, your listeners probably know what immersion is. That's, uh, we went through what's called man wealth, uh, with Satem and Ollie and Nate and Nate Bailey and them, they put a, a great program together and what that is is it's it's where you get to go basically work on yourself, right? Um, and you they beat you down physically to basically exhaustion to really get you to open up. For me, the experience was uh, life-changing. It was probably the best thing I ever did for myself um, in my entire life um, besides going to Costa Rica. <laughs> but no, no, seriously, though, it was one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Anytime I've gone to a leadership training or anything like that, where you take some time away and you can work on yourself, it, it's a good thing. This came at a time when uh, we took our entire international team. So everyone in the in that does the signature franchise sales and support, the women went before us, uh, Monica and Kay, and we had... Uh, Katie and Michelle Kubiak uh, also went. They were agents, but from our international team, Monica and Kay, they went the month before us. Then myself, Alex, Spencer, Mike, and uh, Craig Shelley. And Craig Shelley was just joining us. Uh, we all went out. So the entire team's gone through it, which creates this. You, you speak a different language. You're on the same thing. You understand what um, commitments are as opposed to expectations and you know how to have tough conversations and you don't let things boil and, and fester. So, and we're, we're able to grow, but I went to that thinking my whole team needs this. So I'll go to support them. <laughs> I needed it too. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that relationships were important to me. I learned, 
Um, I learned what kind of a team I have around me, um, that they would do anything for me and I would do anything for them. There was a point in there where um, I knew that I needed to go to Salt Lake. Um, my brother, your uncle, passed away uh, 10 years ago. And August 20th is when his birthday is. And I kind of avoid that. And I know that's a tough time for my mom, your grandma. And we were both able to be up there on the 20th. Well, during the 20th, August 20th, we had our broker owner training. So we had brokers from all across the country here for training. Mm -hmm. And when I knew I needed to be there and I said something in the thing, I said, I'm going to try. And then they were basically like, what do you mean you're going to try? Either do it or you don't. And I said, well, we got these brokers coming in. And every one of the people from the team basically said, you're going home to see your mom, and we've got this here. And that was really outside my deal is not just trusting in the process, letting people do anything, not having to be there. And uh, they all stepped up, and they did it, allowed me to fly home, take my mom to lunch, and fly back. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of neat. Um but so I learned that, that I've got a good team around me. I learned that I need to ask and let people help me. I learned that uh, relationships are important to me. And I learned that you shouldn't do a calorie restriction diet for four <laughs> months leading up to it and drop 60 pounds because physically I wasn't, I wasn't in a position to go into it, mm-hmm. um, which also taught me a very big lesson that I have a tendency to do is to go into meetings or go into things unprepared because I have just enough talent that I can get through it. Mm-hmm. But I found if you actually prepare for something ahead of time, you're going to get a far greater result than you would have if you don't. So um, going through it, I thought I would never do this again. An hour on the way drive home, I said I'd do this again. And every time somebody goes, you got to go last month, um, I feel like I'm missing something. And um, I'm tight with my brothers that went through it with me. In fact, Danny Duran just had hip surgery today, uh, replaced his hip. I know he's doing well. He's checked in. Um, But these guys are just, they're my brothers. They're family, you know. They're there for you. It's neat to have somebody to call to. So it's it's just a different society. It's a different feel. I don't even know how to put it in words, though I threw out a lot of them there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I could even attest to that. You know, you kind of just speak the same language. It's almost like you guys can or speaking a totally different language, but I, same thing, the boxer group, I had a, you know, one of my brothers who went through immersion with me as a New York Giants fan. That's too bad. Yeah. So I had to get, (laughs) I had to get on there and give them a little, um, hell for last night's game. But yeah, it's, it's something that's hard to put in words, but I have asked everybody else who, you know, come on the podcast that have went through that experience. And it's interesting to see, because one thing I've noticed going through that is it's, essentially the same thing you know we go through and we do a lot of the same things a lot of the same um teachings and uh physical challenges and everything but everybody gets something different out of it and it's what exactly what they need right and you know yeah they teach the same principles tell the truth you know um but um they teach the same principles and that's stuff that we all get but it's it's the the message or what you need in yourself that they have a great gift in being able to draw out. And it's neat because, you know, it's it's like a four-day experience, and everybody hits that aha moment or that breakthrough at different points. Mm-hmm. You know, mine happened on the beach. 
um, on day two. Um, I know Mike and a few of the other guys that were in there, theirs happened on a holy hill, you know, on the hike. Um, but everybody has that, that they, they get it out of you, and it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And as much as you do this as a group and you go through this stuff, it's such an individual experience, it's crazy. It is. Well, we won't spend too much time talking on that. Um, you know, we've been talking for a while. I have some kind of closing questions I want to ask you. Okay. The first one is, how many transactions did you do in your best year of real estate? <laughs> uh, it was about 60. 60? Yeah. The neat thing is, is I can actually um, pull up, I think I can get most all my stats still in Utah um, because they're all still in the MLS. If you put in the roster code, you can actually pull that stuff. At uh, one point I pulled and I printed off all them and I had them all in a book of the properties. But uh, But yeah, I think it was around that. And one thing I've heard you say is, you know, your best year in real estate, you would go hiking. Was that that year then? Uh, I don't know if it was that year, but it was the happiest year. And I was very productive on um, the year I did most was when I worked with with Andy, you Mm. know, before things got tough. Um, I got to a point where I lived in Mill Creek, mouth basically of the canyon, Mill Creek Canyon. And I would go to the office. I always went in early, make your calls, prospect. And then I would go home for lunch, and then I'd go on a hike, and I'd come back, and I'd get cleaned up, and then I'd work till 9, 10 o'clock at night. Um, but the balance there was was great, and the production was good, and things just happened because it just, um, I think you're in the right frame of mind. And, uh, and I was still very disciplined with with everything I had to do. I see now. Maybe the the best year in real estate. When I heard you say that, it was it's a little bit more subjective, um, not just on the closed transactions. Yeah, I I don't. If I worried about money, I probably wouldn't have done half the things I've done in my life. Um, especially even like starting out signature. I mean, there's building a business. There's a lot of uh, work your butt off for little to no money um, because you have this vision and you have this dream. Um, you're the last person that gets paid. You got to make sure everyone else is paid and everything else is good. So there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into that. But those are still some of the best years of your life or some of your best years of your company and different things like that. So I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my next question I was going to ask you is, um, you know, you've you've been in the industry over 20 years. You've seen a lot of changes. What changes do you think we can expect to come with, you know, the all the technology and, um, you know, I don't see this as a big of a problem as a lot of people, but the iBuyers, just different, you know, things coming. The in, disruptions. Yeah, the disruptions in the industry. How do you see our industry moving forward? Um, I think if if agents don't and brokers don't pay attention to the consumer experience, they will become obsolete. I didn't mean, and I didn't say realtors would become obsolete, and I didn't say that uh, um, real estate brokerages become obsolete. That they will become obsolete, which means if you're not delivering a good service and a good experience, you you will 
people won't use you. Um, they talk about this is a relationship business. I don't think the iBuyers have killed this industry. I don't think um, Zillow's killing this industry. I don't think Realtor.com's killing this industry. DocuSign's killing this industry. And I don't mean DocuSign, that company. I mean digital signatures. The second you took it away from having to go out and meet with the client and get property paperwork signed, you know, that was that's a turning point. When agents don't explain that stuff and they're they're just I understand it makes business quicker and easier, mm-hmm. but you're losing that personal touch. You know, and it started I mean, first when I first got in the business, it was the fax machine. You may not know what that is. It was where we could actually <laughs> <laughs> I have a rough time. idea. <laughs> I have a rough I've seen pictures. Uh, <laughs> I've heard stories. But that that whole thing, when you get away from actually sitting down with the client and, and explaining things, I think you, you lose something. And so if you're going to do that, then you better be delivering a different experience. And everything that I'm hearing and everything that I'm studying is it's not about convenience. It's about experience. That's true. And you kind of made me think there for a little bit because... I just recently had a client, um, we closed on a a condo for him and I was thinking, you know, I was talking to him doing the, from the very beginning, the buyer presentation, um, you know, you helped me do that a lot. And so I always did that hard copy and had him sit down and sign it. And then as things would come up in the transaction, you know, he kind of made it clear that he, he's not so comfortable with electronic signatures. And then so I met him at the Summerlin office because it was like a central point press meet. And I met them over the course of the transaction of escrow in the transaction. I met him there probably like five or six times. And I realized that every time we'd sign and then we'd talk for 10 minutes and I, you know, I was able to actually connect with him versus, I mean because I only showed him two properties. So, I mean, if it would have just been done electronically, I probably would have seen him, you know, there and then probably you not. No rela- you would have had no relationship with the guy. Now you actually see him in a supermarket, you're going to remember who he is or mm-hmm. he's going to remember who you are. You make an impact on that person's life, you know, through that experience, and that's what they're going to remember. Um, yeah, I, it's it's important. Yeah, and I know you've been a big proponent on that because – I've talked to you about that. What other experiences like when you, when you're talking about the experience and everything, like, what do you mean? Because we'll take away from real estate. Like what are other companies and experiences you have? I'll I'll give you an example, just a property management experience. Okay. So if, if you were going to rent a property, right. And you show up to your house, you're going to move into this house. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's somebody there to greet you and take you through and make sure everything's okay. That's one experience. You show up to the house and they say your key's under a rock. Go ahead and go in. That's a different experience, right? And so it's about thinking about um, the consumer and what it's like for them. Put yourself in their shoes as they're buying that house or they're selling that house. How would you like to be treated? How would you feel if this was done to you? Mm-hmm. Um Take it back to a step. I mentioned earlier that our decisions are basically made based on, is this right for the agent? We should, everything that we do and everything that we go through on that process, is this the right thing for the buyer or the seller or the consumer that's working with you? If it is, then do it. If it's not, then rethink it. Um, You should have a relationship with the people that buy and sell real estate with you, not only for them, but for yourself. I mean, 
if all this is is a transactional-based business and you're just an order taker, it's no fun. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get to build relationships with people, it's it's a big deal. I was in Salt Lake. Um, neat thing. Uh, our broker, Mark, up there was the broker that hired me in the business, right? Um, his son does mortgages, mm-hmm. right? And he works with a guy named Trevor. And Trevor comes up to me and goes, you look familiar. And I'm like, well, I used to do real estate up here, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, man, no, I know you. And then he comes back like 20 minutes later and goes, Tom Tippett's. I go, Tom, yeah, I sold him a home over in Canyon Racket Condos. Yeah, he owned a, a home out on the beach in San Diego. Um, he moved to Vegas. Uh, he used to work at Fidelity. I knew all this stuff about him. It was his dad. When I sold him that home in, or that condo in the Canyon Racket Condos, Trevor was like 12 years old. You see what I mean? So that's a different experience. Even even he had an experience of dealing with with me, and it's just not done that way as much anymore. And and I think if if you want to differentiate yourself, create those experiences, and and then the rest will be history. You'll get referrals, and you'll you'll love your job, and you move through it. You know, and that kind of leads me into you know my next and final question. Uh, what would be the best piece of advice you can give an agent starting out? I'll give you two. Go to work every day and be coachable. Don't think you you know everything. Be open. And don't hide. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't hide. But no, that's good because I'm starting to learn that because I like to think, you know, especially my own personal experience, I'm coachable. You know, I listen to... But sometimes it's kind of hard to, you know, receive the constructive criticism and then, you know, just take it for, you know, grain of salt. Don't take it as a personal attack, just something to help you and move on. So, yeah, I mean, people listen to you on the phone. They're always going to critique it. They're going to have different things to say because they would say it different. Mm-hmm. The best thing you can do is record yourself and listen to it. You know, just like you do these podcasts. Go back and listen to them. Uh, I'm going to go back and listen to this and realize how many times I said, um... Uh, you see what I mean? And so the only way you can get better is to, to listen to that and, and do that. So yeah, take, take whatever somebody says as a grain of salt, either adapt or don't adapt. Don't take, be defensive about it. Understand that some people will give you criticism because they're uncomfortable doing it. So they think they know how to do it, but they don't actually practice it. So you just look at that. But what I mean by coachable is be open to different ways to get business, be be open to doing things better, um, and be open to following a plan. If somebody can lay out a plan for you and give you the step-by-step instructions to do something, follow through and see what happens. You'll be amazed. But, um, yeah. I like it. Well, I really appreciate you being on. Um, for those of you listening, uh, yes, my father has a rival competing podcast. It's actually the Signature Life podcast. <laughs> I'll have it just as one time. I'll have it linked down in the description of this video and everything. And appreciate, and I appreciate everyone who you know supports the podcast, likes, subscribes, you know, watches all of our videos and everything. And we really do appreciate that. And if you aren't already subscribed, please do. We have everything in the linked up in the description makes it easier you can like our facebook youtube and everything and again thank you for taking time out of your busy day being um you know hair salon broker (laughs) all that stuff thank you Uh